Cosmic Voice. Music, talk, and nothing but business with your hosts, Chris Natalie and Nick Michaels. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cosmic Voice. This is Season 2, Episode 17. I am here with my co-host, Chris Natalini. Hello, humans. And I am Mick Michaels. Welcome back, everyone, to another exciting episode. And I know I say exciting every time, but to us, it's exciting. How you doing, pal? How you doing? I'm doing fantastic, dude. How about yourself? I'm fantastic. That's my line. That is your line. It's even on my How Are You Feeling type of thing on Facebook. I'm fantastic. I am fantastic. Although, although I will say, and it really kind of depends on when you're hearing this, because I know uh, some of our shows were, you know, we're a little backlogged a week or two, but today it started off warm and then all of a sudden it got super cold. Oh yeah, we're supposed to, we're supposed to go into the frigids tonight. Yeah, like I didn't even have a jacket. Like my, I was a couple, you know, I was out doing my job this morning. My first couple deliveries, I was kind of sweating, and then the next day it was like bitter cold. <laughs> the fall came back. Like, what just happened? Yeah. <laughs> Pennsylvania weather. Hello, spring. <laughs> yeah, right. Pennsylvania in April. That yeah, is I, true. I seen pictures. It was snowing in the Scranton area, which is about you know two and a half, three hours from Philadelphia. So yeah, that's all yeah, you know. Yeah. So you know, it's just crazy. You know, and like I, that crazy. one meme. You know, anyway, springtime in Pennsylvania, and you see. A guy with his lawnmower he's he's cutting the top layer of snow off i love it it's great and that's pennsylvania and you know i always find it amazing that people in pennsylvania they've been here so long you know people that born and bred here in pennsylvania that they're shocked every year about the weather like, well, what is this it's april and it's cold it's april it will snow in may here yeah, like, yeah, that's we're true. not we're not out of the clear until say June twelfth, and then we have a good you know eight weeks, maybe ten weeks of sweating, and sometimes back in the old days it was like you know crazy heat, like yeah, oh, yeah. I miss those days. I miss them when they I say do. you're not allowed to water your grass. We're in a drought. That means you know there's no rain and it's hot <laughs> and you got a good tan. <laughs> it's warm days. You know it's you know it's summer when you can't mow, you can't uh, water your lawn. That's right. No mowing, <laughs> but the air condition of cranking. Absolutely. That's dude. summer. Absolutely. I love it. So, <laughs> all right, here we go. We have another question sponsored by our friends at the Cosmic View. We know those people. We know those guys. And their question is: What bands or artists do you feel have been most instrumental in shaping the music industry? What bands or artists do you feel have been most instrumental in shaping the music industry? Now, before I pass this question off to Mr. Natalini, I do want to say that there is some subjectivity to that question, depending on who yes. answers it. So I'm going to kind of massage it just a little bit for those that may not follow music across the board from its beginnings to now, but we can also look at it as... Who do you feel bands or artists help kind of shape the music industry for you as an individual artist? Because for some people, that's going to be real specific. And everybody's, you know, the hands are going to go up. They got answers. The broader sense, that may be harder for some people depending on their age, depending on the genre, depending on, you know, a lot of things. So... I think we can tailor that. Again, we're artists. We take liberties. We have a license here. I just printed it out on the printer. (laughs) We can kind of shape this question any way we want. It's our podcast. We pay the bills. What do you think, Mr. Natalini? 
Wow, you know, man, I, you know, as we were talking about this earlier about, you know, this question and, and now that you've kind of massaged the question a little bit, it makes it a little easier to... Hey, everybody likes a good massage. They pay for that down in Philly, you know. <laughs> that That is very... Well, not lately because, you know, you can't... Oh, you, you can't touch... Well, you can. I think you can. There's been some places that have been busted, so... Somebody's touching somebody. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, like I said to you, like, I'm not a music historian. I mean, I know, you know, I, I know music and the roots and all that, but to sit and actually have a timeline, I don't have that information. But on that note, one of the acts that come to mind for me... And I'm going to go back to my youth. And as crazy as this is, again, it's subjective. And I discovered the monkeys before I discovered the Beatles when I was younger. And the monkeys to me were, you know, and at the time I didn't realize they weren't really writing their own songs, at least the ones that were on, you know, at the time they were doing a television show in the early years, you know, they weren't really writing their own songs. They weren't really playing all their instruments at the time in the very beginning. And the reason I say the monkeys is because as I got older, and I was always a fan of the Monkees because every personality in that band had a different approach. You know, Mickey Dolenz was more the pop and Davy Jones was more the, you know, the love ballad guy. And Peter Tork was always kind of the silly guy. And Michael Nesmith always had that country thing with me going on. The thing that it makes me say the Monkees is because it makes you realize that a band can have four different personalities and four different styles of music and be successful at least in you know at that time be successful and it really made me realize that it's okay to have people write songs for you that aren't you and you know, the monkeys was definitely the first act that i had realized or had learned that they weren't writing their own songs neil diamond and what's his name Hart, right bryce Hart or mm -hmm, whatever mm -hmm. You know, he was a big songwriter for them and they had all these hits and it's like, man, it, it really kind of made me realize that music and being an artist is, is a wider spectrum because you could take all these influences from different people and all these ideas and make it one and still make it into this successful project. So for me, one of the earliest things that made me learn a lot about the business and kind of changed my life and, and kind of set me on a path was the monkeys for me. And like I said, I discovered the Beatles kind of later. So maybe some people would say the Beatles, but for me, it was the monkeys. Yeah, I'm a fan of the monkeys. I've always, you know, again, I, I grew up in the, in the rerun era of them and they were very popular and you would watch them. And I was familiar with the Beatles as well. And I was constantly reminded by my father that they were a ripoff of the Beatles over yes. and over and over again. My, <laughs> yes. my father was a huge Beatles fan and he disliked very much the Monkees. More so, not necessarily because of the music, because he just didn't grasp the antics of the TV show. Because it was mm. a little kind of crazy, and you could see yeah, how yeah. you That's know the silly. younger yeah silliness, which I enjoy. You know, it was kind of yeah. there was well, a yeah. lot of over the top, tongue in cheek, breaking that mm -hmm. wall of TV viewer and and TV star type of thing. A lot of their music is uh, is great. I mean, whether it was the music that was written by someone else, and even their own. You know, as time oh, went on, I mean, amazing. Yeah. you know, some of really uh, good. You know, Michael Nesmith, he pushed from the very beginning. He had to have at least mm -hmm. one song on. You know, yeah. and. You know, what's also amazing is is they they became a band. Yes. Right? Yes. And yep. where there wasn't necessarily a musicianship, like, you know, Mickey Dolan's learned to play the drums right. for this right. project and got better at it, even though you know, now he plays guitar, he kind of had some guitar skills prior to yeah. that. Because really, you only had two musicians, per se, in that project, and 
Davy Jones was a was a singer. He was that you know he was just a performer, so to speak. And that was right. a time when it was not uncommon that artists just performed what other people gave them, right? Yeah. Because they cre- yeah. they were creating packages. You know, mm-hmm. once it became a you know a marketing success, especially in the fifties, everybody was kind of packaged. Yeah. Right. So that was kind of um, kind of a cool thing. So uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely, I I think for an American wave of music of pop music, I think the Monkees and they're usually you know even today they're they're underrated, they're overlooked. Totally. One hundred percent. They had some. They they had albums in the top ten for weeks on end yeah you know and yeah. and yeah they were coming out with a ton of material now again even though in the beginning they may have not have been writing everything these guys were still in the studio mm-hmm. they, i mean there was yeah. takes on takes of things you know so I, I would agree with you there's definitely some influence there and you know and it changed too because you know like you had said about being you know, bands or artists being pre-packaged and all that and then they became something you know they became more than a package because they felt like they had something to prove with the writing and you know the the culture of that time so they kind of changed you know when they were writing their own songs it was very kind of you know war or against war based and but they became something right like they became the monkeys went from being four guys that didn't know each other on a tv show singing other people's songs to an actual band that was writing their own songs and and was being quite successful at it even years after the show right and you know and they've made several comebacks i mean including the big one in the 80s which demonstrated that they were kind of a four like it was a like people were like oh yeah the monkeys and then all of a sudden they're back you know and then they do something every 10 years Mm -hmm. you know whoever's left i mean i realize there's you know Again, as an American band, American act, I think that they are very, they were very instrumental in shaping a lot of people. I I, I truly believe that. So, yeah, definitely. I mean, again, they were our version of the Beatles at that time. And I mean, that's what they were designed to be, right? Right. Right. I mean, you know, I mean, even though Davy Jones was not American, but they were still embraced as an American act. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 This is Stephen Pearson from Rat, the Rat Bastard. You're listening to the Cosmic Voice. Well, speaking of the Monkees, I think that one of the bands that was most influential, who influenced them or influenced the idea of creating the Monkees, would be the Beatles. For sure. on, on a lot of reasons. They pretty much changed the game at that time. Really, what they did is, as the band went on... Now, these guys, these were musicians, right? They were musicians yeah. who became artists. And they were taking that one step further than just the doo-wop acts. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah, uh, yeah. And they took songwriting for pop into a more mature arena. Mm-hmm. They... They were talking about maybe some serious stuff, maybe some melancholy stuff, but they were it was kind of upbeat. And yeah. the harmonies and the placements. And, of course, you know, everybody could read about it. As they went on and became more successful, they were able to do more in the studio, experimenting. And, you know, and after they stopped really playing out, whether it was because of they were afraid something was going to happen to them or they just got tired of it, you know, there's a combination of things. But they became strictly a studio band. They were experimenting with things that were just new to the industry, both as an artist writing songs and in a production sense. 
They, mm. they have a lot of what would be considered the first of, you know, whatever. Even though the band didn't last past 1970, their music has just been influential to countless artists. You know, I mean, they ushered in the whole British invasion, even though it was happening, but it pretty much opened the doors, right? And yeah. you could see, ba I mean, bands like Kiss were inspired by the Beatles, right? So yeah. many bass players of that certain age demographic were inspired by Paul McCartney. I mean, there's a saying that, you know, the note of that chord for that guitar wasn't determined until Paul McCartney put his bass runs over it or his bass parts right. over it. So, you know, again, with taking pop to a more mature arena, more mature level, talking socially and politically and things like that, things that had maybe a darker tone rather than just like rocking and rolling and love and heartbreak, but then taking it someplace else. I think that with more meaning, with a lot of social commentary, I think that they changed things all around. They kind of changed how rock and roll went. Right, so it—I mean—it just brought it into a new plane, and uh, their effects are still being felt today. People do research on them; they do stuff in colleges, you know, universities. Sometimes it's even more interesting to read or watch about how they created the music than the music itself. You know what I mean? For the amount of the amount of material that these guys were doing, it's just amazing. And, and it's crazy to me that there'd be times they would be sitting in the studio and they would just be literally just messing around and they would just play a tape backwards or bang on some instrument and, and they go let's use that and it turns into this amazing piece of a song that that just becomes your your life like it's just you know whether like i said whether it's just something so simple it just becomes a part of who they were and it's just like literally just, just sitting in a studio just playing around with things and they go yeah let's try that yeah. and it ends up in a, a hit song and you're like sure. i can't imagine that it literally was just an idea just a thought well they were experimenting with a lot of lsd at a certain point well, during their time yeah, which also point, you know yeah. which also gave them a lot of stuff but here's a, a a case in point what you're saying like strawberry feels forever right they had done so many takes of it i mean i don't know it was almost like 30 takes of it they took take six or seven and meshed it with take 24 or 26 or something like that and they spliced them together the problem was is each take was done at a different speed different key they slowed down the one to match it up the other and it creates that really weird i mean these were things that you know instead of cutting tape you know back then you had to cut tape with scissors and tape it together with a special tape and all that so everything was done by hand not like today they were doing things like that and they were making cuts between words rather than at like a downbeat or uh, some kind of, you know, crescendo part of the song. They were doing it like almost right in front of you yeah. saying here it is. And a lot of that was like, you know, again, they were experimenting. They also believed that they could at one point could put out anything and people would buy it. And yeah, I believe so. Yeah, that was definitely 100 you know, percent. 100%. So 100%. they push some boundaries in a lot of places that people are still affected by today. Listen, I, I always liked the Beatles when I was younger. I just didn't grasp the same thing. You know, I liked all the popular songs and stuff like that, but I just couldn't, in my head, couldn't grasp because I, I just, I guess I was, I was too immature in terms of my abilities and my understanding. And that's okay to, you know, that I was like, oh, listen, they're good, but I don't understand how people are just going, you know, nuts over Yeah. It. Now that yeah. I'm older, I've become a much bigger Beatles fan, and I do a lot of reading about them and, and stuff like that. And I am just, 
in complete awe. And I mean, I, again, I'm, you know, probably coming late to the game, but I just said to my son the other day, I go, I really wish that I got into them heavier yeah, a long time ago because I think it would, you know, and what they're doing is like, or what they were doing, I'm like, I just want to do that. I mean, I, I give up everything and start all over again. This is maybe what the way to do it, but I think on a grand scale, they have affected every genre from that point forward. That yeah. point forward. I mean, no one, you know, at one time to work with a Beatle, even if it was just in passing, it was like everybody was like, you know, yeah, like that's your claim to fame. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, so many songs are still to this day, you know, covered. Look, Motley Crue did Helter Skelter, right? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, yep. so on and so forth. It just goes down the line. You can look that stuff up on on the Googles. But uh, <laughs> that's that's my webs. Yeah. On the Google webs. What do you think? You got somebody else? I do. I do. So I'm going to move ahead a few decades. Uh Uh-oh. When we instantly think of bands or artists that have influenced music. Now, I have to say, I'm going to be flat out honest. Uh I am not a fan. I was never a fan. But when you talk about a band or artist that changed the face of music, you cannot leave Nirvana out of the conversation. They came in and, again, I'm not a big fan. I mean, I have a couple of things they've done, but they literally came in and changed the direction of music. I mean, they had this punk rock kind of anti-establishment thing about them, but it was, you know, it, it turned into the alternative style of music through the 90s and even bleeds into today, you know, where bands are more... Uh, I don't even know what to say without being offensive, but they, they, well, first of all, they took us out of the eighties, right? The glam, the hair metal, the big stadium rock songs and the power ballads. And, you know, they literally came in and and just changed that entire scene. And that scene had to change because of them and their success. You know, the, the hair metal, the glam metal, whatever you want to call them, they had to change the way they looked, the way they dressed, because flannel and jeans and sticking your hands in your pockets and putting your head down, that was the thing. It wasn't the it wasn't the big party, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll time anymore. It was this more uh, real life, politically driven lyrics, and it, they really did. And I think it their mark, obviously with, um, you know, of course, with the Foo Fighters and the success that they've had with Dave Grohl, it just bleeds into even today in 2021, their influence is still happening today. And uh, for me, again, I'm not a fan, but when you talk about bands that influenced music or the change in music, to me, you can't have a conversation without mentioning Kurt Cobain and, and Nirvana. I do agree with you there. I also agree with you. I'm not much of a fan either. There were a couple songs I like, like the Dan Marino song. Dan Marino. <laughs> Dan Marino. Um, I do agree that they, they changed music, okay, uh, in my opinion. Did their playing affect me? No, not really. I never really got into that whole that whole scene. Though there, there was some good stuff, but you know, I, I probably preferred Pearl Jam more so. And even then, there was only a handful of songs that I think I really got into. But they definitely ushered in a whole new idea to the music industry, both for artist and fan. Just just how things were going to go. You know, sometimes the people at the cusp who are there in the beginning, though they're instrumental, they may not always be the best example. Does that make sense to you? Sure, sure. Um, like I said, I was not really excited about their music. It didn't move me 
in a no, lot of didn't. ways. Yeah. You know, and maybe that's just because you know maybe I was bitter. It's possible. I don't know. You know what I mean? Because you know everything that I was working for up at that point just went into the tank. So there, yeah. you know. But I mean, even looking back now, like. I remember I had the Nevermind. Is that their first one? Yep. Okay. Uh, not their first one, but the, well, the you, hit. The, yeah, the, the hit one. one. Yeah, because they, yeah. you know, they, they were schlocking around for a couple years before that. But, yes, yes. So I had it. I'm not even sure I actually listened to it, and I, I probably got rid of it a long time ago. So, like, Nirvana's not one of those bands that I'm drawn to go check out for whatever reason. No, no. But I no. understand what they did, and they, it was a wake-up call. It was a shock to a lot of guys. Because we yeah. were li- we were doing things in excess, and some of it was getting just it was crap. We were getting yeah. crap, okay. Yeah. And um, you know, Dio had talked a lot of years about you know he blamed first he blamed bands like you know Poison and so on and so forth for ruining heavy metal because he wound everybody got lumped into the same thing and they weren't doing that. Then he started blaming MTV for it because he had you know. But, you know, listen, he embraced it just like everybody else. So, you know, yeah. we, we can say yeah. whatever we want. But they definitely shook things up. And uh, I understand how, you know, a whole generation or two or maybe even three of bands emerged with that sound. Yeah, because, because you know, after Nirvana and after the, the Seattle sound, quote, unquote, you know, sort of changed. It kind of fell into the modern rock era. You know, you're... You know, just that, you know, the stuff that we hear today that's popular on the radio or, you know, that was popular a couple of years ago. So it went from alternative to modern rock, but it's still kind of the, the roots are the same. Yeah. I mean, listen, to me, the Seattle sound is always going to be Queensryche. You know what I'm saying? There was a Seattle sound long True. before Nirvana, but, you know, we're not here to debate that. But I, I would agree with you. They are definitely someone to look to about changing how things were done, how things were looked at. You know, it brought back that tortured artist right that yeah. suffering mm-hmm. artist where yeah. i mean the whole alternative things you know um you know pearl jam uh eddie vetter he was a angry stewing mm-hmm. you know depressed jeremy spoken class today type of guy you know what i mean so right, there was right. all of that and it's it's a shame but fitting how you know kirk Cobain's life had ended given the the nature of what that kind of symbolized as we were moving yeah. away from like you said the party the good time everybody was you know having such a a blast to now our music has to be suffering and we have to be tortured by it and we have to relay that torture to right to right. the fan and then they have to live it you know so right i mean there's a lot of that and i think as the 2000s came in they were trying to get that mixture because, you know, you had the 80s was one way. Then you had, yeah. you know, by the mid-90s to the end of the 90s was another way, you know, until the Latino explosion happened in the late 90s, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, in a sense, and again, it's not part of our my list here, but it actually helped some of the pop music kind of push away just a little bit from that downer-type approach. 100%. You yep. know what I mean? Yep. So, yep. But uh, I agree with you wholeheartedly. For my second choice, I'm going to go back into time there, Doc Brown. (laughs) I'm going to go with Elvis. Now, again, Elvis, and arguably, one way or the other, was he great? Was he not? I don't know. I'll tell you, when I was a kid, again, same kind of story with the Beatles, I never could get the idea of, like, the king of rock and roll, I don't get that. I just, I couldn't understand it. Like, it just didn't make sense to me. Because when I thought of rock and roll, you know, as a kid... You know, I thought of 
kiss, you know, and that <laughs> kind of thing in the seventies, you know, and and but I just I couldn't get it. I just didn't understand it. However, as I've gotten older, I've become a very big Elvis fan. I got a book that actually breaks down what he was doing studio wise during his entire career. It's phenomenal. What I think Elvis did is he gave music style and charisma. Mm-hmm. And dare I say it, he gave music sex appeal, true sex appeal. Yeah. Like for a modern world at that time, for a nation who was just emerging from, you know, World War II, a depression, we were starting to boom. I think that it was a needed punch. There was a little bit more salt and pepper on what he was doing than, you know, than some of the other stuff. And again, for us being several decades removed from it now and even when we were kids we can't truly embrace the impact that he was having in the 50s right the same as we can't really relate or i can get it i can imagine it but i don't truly understand it because i wasn't there like what beatlemania was all about now if it was anything like hulkamania or more (laughs) then it was probably just crazy right you think about it he's influenced people like We'll fast forward it to the end of the 70s, 80s, right? He definitely influenced Billy Idol. Mm-hmm. Okay? And we talked about this last season in an episode. That leather suit that he wore in 69, that leather jumpsuit, I think it was in 69, when he made his television comeback, mm-hmm. um, that inspired Susie Quattro, which then inspired Joan Jett, which then inspired the Romantics, which then inspired, and we'll just keep going on down, even mm-hmm. Rob Halford to some degree. Yep. Right, Glenn Danzig. Yeah, Glenn. So it's just you know. Here I, I mean, if that's not Elvis in its strange kind of cryptic kind of weird big forehead way, I don't know what is. You know what I mean? <laughs> so my point is, is I do think that if you had to go back to an error, he was a guy that made a huge impact on the way things went. Now, listen, Elvis. One of his missteps that he talked about. He got so stuck into movies, he couldn't get out. And his music career suffered from it for a while. Right. And he right, was making right. movie after movie. But the success that he had there pushed other musicians to do that. Beatles. The Monkees. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, in the 70s, you know, Zeppelin made a movie and, and so on. And so, you know, and look. And then you had stars who became actors. David Bowie. Gene mm-hmm. Simmons. Mm-hmm. John Bon Jovi, right? There's always been yeah. a crossover at some point. TV guy wants to be a singer. Don Johnson, Eddie Murphy, right? We can keep going. And then there's yeah, the yeah. singer who wants to be an actor. Yep. Right? John Bon Jovi, yep. Chris Natalini. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, and I think, now listen, we had that, you know, you had that that entertainer, movie guy, you know, Bob Hope, Bing Crosby, you know, uh, Dean Martin, so on and so forth. But all these guys, you know, everybody started at the stage. It was a different world. You were not a recording artist. You were a stage performer. And then you went to recording and you went to, you know, right. what uh, movies and, and so on and so forth. And you were just taking your shtick to, you know, what the next level, the next medium. So I think he created that. And it was a solo act, if you think about it. A lot of other guys teamed up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for, right. 
if you want to pick somebody and was going to put in a time capsule, in my opinion, that should, it would be Elvis. Then the next big thing was the Beatles. That's just me. That's no, what I'm saying. No, and it makes perfect sense. It does. That's what I'm saying. I said it. You said it. Like Paulie said, <laughs> I'm saying it. <laughs> you are listening to the Cosmic Voice with your hosts, Chris Natalini and Mick Michaels. You got somebody else? I do. Alice Cooper. Okay, there you go. I mean, you know, some call him the godfather of shock rock, right? I mean, he's been doing this for 50 years. And if you think about it, Billion Dollar Babies, which was his sixth, sixth, number six studio record. And that's the one that hit for him. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, and he's still doing stuff today. It's still relevant. It's still good. He hasn't really wavered off from his style of, uh, I guess we just call it rock and roll, right? Like, I mean, Alice Cooper is just a rock and roll guy. I don't necessarily call him heavy metal, although he has heavy metal things in his uh, repertoire, but he is more of a, just a rock and roll guy. And again, 50 years, man. I mean, and you know, he was in there, the guillotine, the fire, the makeup, the persona, right? I mean, he inspired think about it, he inspired Kiss and he inspired Slipknot and he, you know what I mean? And, you know, even though like Mushroom Head or Mudvayne or Slipknot, like those bands may have been inspired by Kiss, but Alice Cooper was there too. So, right. you know, it all, all that stage stuff comes from Alice Cooper, man. And, and he was the, like I said, some people call him the godfather of shock rock. And I have to agree, especially, you know, 50 years later, he's still doing it and still doing it well. Yeah. You know, again, the flair for theatrics in a mainstream media such as rock and roll is definitely a credit to him So in those early days. Now, I'm not saying that, and again, because I wasn't around, I'm not saying that there weren't other people, there was performance artists probably doing something of a certain nature, but maybe not in the complexity that he was doing it. And then in the vein that, again, if we read it now, we're like, oh, okay, yeah, I don't get it. But, but back then, I mean he was banned from coming into certain towns because people truly believed that he was hacking off people's heads or his own. Which, I mean, if they just sat and thought about it, if he's hacking off his own head, how is he coming to the next city? But this is the way, listen, we're also talking about the same society who, you know, 15 years earlier believed that we were being attacked by Martians on the radio. So I'm not exactly sure, but... When the things that you do cause such a frenzy like that, you are making an impact. And that impact is going to be felt by the people who are following you, right? Like, you, yeah. like you know, what's now called an influencer. There's always been influence. Everybody's, you know, some oh, yeah, band, somebody yeah, yeah. influenced yeah. someone else and so on. But now yeah. there's a, you know, catch term for it that everybody jumps on, you know, because if you don't use it, you're not cool. Yeah, listen, I, I'll be honest with you, too. I was never a huge Alice fan guy. I always liked him. I mean, I always thought he was... Some of his real early interviews, I mean, you could, he was a space cadet. But, you know, once he kind of cleaned up his act and, you know, and he, and he really got on the golfing tours and stuff like that, he was always cool. Like, you know, during the 80s, you know, he was lumped in as metal. I never could get it. I kept saying, he's not really metal. It's not really hardcore right. stuff. I, I don't know exactly. why. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, he exactly. looked it. He had the part. You know, and people loved him. But again, it's that thing. In the 80s, I couldn't stand half the stuff that he did. <laughs> but I listen to it now on Sirius when I'm, you know, cutting the grass and I'm driving around. And it's like, you know, I'm there, I'm singing to it. Now, I, I, on a side note, there's a lot of songs that I probably didn't like too much in the 80s 
that I find, and even in the late 80s, early 90s, I was like, I just, I'm not listening to this crap because this is garbage. That I find that, eh, you know, it's not so bad now. Like, I mean, back then, I would never listen to Slaughter. I just, I just, you know, no offense, because I, I thought um, Mark Slaughter was phenomenal with uh, Vinnie Vincent. You yeah. know what I mean? I yeah. mean, his voice yeah. is incredible. And, you know, they're, they're great musicians. I get all that. I just wasn't all into that stuff. But now I find that, like, you know, hey, man, you know, that really wasn't... So, some of that stuff isn't so bad. I mean, I'm not going out and buying the albums, but at the same time, right, right. you know what I mean? But, yeah, he's definitely influential. And I'll tell you, on another note, I've read some stuff about him, and one of my former bandmates who is no longer with us, he lived out in Arizona, and he had gotten to meet Alice Cooper several times. Mm. And he was a super friendly guy. And mm. he was very instrumental in helping many artists overcome their addiction problems and other issues oh, in sure. life. And yeah. he's, he's there. He's very helpful. He's caring, you know. So that in itself to me is, you know, I mean, he overcame his own demons. And instead of just kind of sitting on his high horse and whatever, and I guess maybe we're all, we could all be guilty of that. You know, one's not better than the other. But he decided to give back to others who were struggling as well. And yeah. uh, for that, you know, I, I think that it's unbelievably instrumental in what he's doing. Yeah. You know, you know, it's funny. It's funny because as growing up, I, you know, I was busy listening to other bands and a little bit much of a harder edge. And uh, like yourself, I kind of really didn't give Alice Cooper a chance until the 80s, you know, the MTV era, of course, because that's what we grew up on. Sure. And I would see him and I'd be like. You know, like the whole thing, like the whole Alice Cooper image didn't really match his music. You right. know what I mean? Like, you know, the one end I'm listening to like King Diamond where, you know, he looks like this horror figure and he's, you know, he's singing about these horror songs. And you look at Alice Cooper who looks like a horror guy and he's like, you know, singing about love. It was just really weird. And it wasn't until as I got older did I go back and go, man, I, you know, I didn't appreciate him back then. And, and I appreciate him more now. Like I've gone back and bought some of his older records and go, yeah, I get it now. I, well, I you know, the, a lot of the thing is, is, and again, I guess you don't necessarily, and this was the thing, you don't, you, some of this you don't get until you reach a certain maturation and understanding. And so, a lot of his stuff was just tongue in cheek. And yes, he never yes. took himself so seriously, but everybody else did. And then, right, right. and he would play on that. He would play yeah. on that. As, you know, as time went on, you started seeing that, and you started understanding that, hey, this is just a, this guy said, you know, he's a performer, he's theatric. Listen, when he played in Jesus Christ Superstar uh, two years ago or three years ago, you know, when it was on TV during Easter, man, I was the first guy go, man, Alice Cooper's in there, I gotta watch it. Yeah, right, exactly. Because you, yeah, exactly. you know, you appreciate, like, this is, you know, this is what this guy's, and that's just phenomenal. It's like, again, even though he may have not been as metal as, as some of us would have hoped or thought or considered, but, you know, he was still a guy who, artist, individual, who was behind rock and roll and everything that it stood for 100%. Right, and, right. And, you know, and guys like that are just, you know, they're inspirational and that he's still doing it. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean, and I've seen him. I, I I've seen him a num so many times. Uh, yeah, me too. You know, over me the too. last twenty years or so, uh, where you know I wouldn't have gone seeing him in uh, in the eighties. So it's just right. again, it's just we evolve. I mean, we really yes. do. Everybody evolves, and you start getting things, you know. But I agree. Um, the other person on my end that I think was most instrumental to the industry was Michael Jackson. Mm, I mean, of course. he really changed a lot. He gave flair, grace, and groove to music. 
Now, a lot of people argue, oh, well, he just he took what James Brown was doing and then he, he did this. and He did. That was his inspiration, and along with a bunch of other people, a lot of the Motown people that he's seen. He took it and he coupled it all together and, you know, and he worked at it and he got better at it. And I feel that he gave movement to music, especially visually. Yeah. There was, he resonated music visually for a person who didn't play an instrument, like, you know, guitar and drums and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. What he was able to do vocally and then translate that to body movements, I think, was, you know, is unbelievable. Once Thriller came out and those videos from it, you know, Billie Jean beat it and Thriller, from that point forward, every pop artist of some stature had dancing. Yeah. Right? And they had group yeah. dancing and they started to dance and it became I mean Madonna and even today, even even in stuff, it's there. It exists. Mm-hmm. They became more on stage that there was this, you know, this thing happening. And I mean, even uh, Robert Palmer. Yeah. You know, addicted yeah. to love. Now he didn't do yep. it, but he had he yep. had people up there doing it. And that's <laughs> so my point is is it just influenced everything. It just changed yeah. everything. And so many people at that point forward, wanted to emulate him in some way, shape, or form. You've seen it, even the Uptown Funk guy. Uh, Bruno Mars. Yeah, yeah, Bruno Mars. I mean, listen, when I first heard him, I go, my God, this guy's Michael Jackson with just a little bit oh, of an edge. 100%. 100%. Dancing, singing, approach, yep. the whole bit. I mean, I think it's phenomenal. I really do. Justin Timberlake, another guy. Yes. Right? Yes. I mean, and it just goes on and on and on, even today. Even today, even when Michael Jackson fell out of favor and, you know, had all his legal problems and, you know, he's no longer with us. He's been gone now since 2009. But his contribution to music, to pop music, to soul music, to disco, to R&B, however you want to call it, was just... I was lucky enough to live through that mania. Mm -hmm. And I remember how crazy it was. And it was a worldwide phenomenon. Oh, it was... Yeah. Worldwide. Now, listen, let's go back a little bit. I'll go back to my list. Elvis, it was kind of, you know, America. Now, he did have some UK and stuff like that. And now it is kind of worldwide. But at that time, right, Beatles kind of created that international flair. And -hmm. then Michael Jackson just took it even further than that. It was world. There wasn't a spot in the world that didn't know about Michael Jackson. Yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe 20,000 leagues under the sea, maybe. If that... (laughs) Yeah, but I know we heard about him here at the space station. <laughs> you know, when you talk about Michael Jackson, he also brought in, you know, because he was this R&B dance pop guy, he also brought other elements from other worlds that made him even cooler. Yep. Obviously, playing with Eddie Van Halen, obviously performing with Slash from Guns N' Roses, Obviously, did that big performance. I think it was the Grammys or American Music Awards with Britney Spears. And then, of course, you have the video Thriller. I mean, he just took all the things that he liked or he respected or, you know, things he enjoyed, like the Thriller video and, you know, the John Landis with all the makeup and brought him in. And it just made Michael Jackson even cooler to people who didn't really follow that kind of music. And, and even me being a hard rock, heavy metal guy, like watching, you know, of course I knew about the Jackson 5 and, you know, I knew about his off the wall. It, I mean, it's such great stuff. But when Thriller came out, you had guys like me 
who were, you know, screaming with the devil horns in the air, you were buying Thriller and it was the greatest record and you played it all the time. You were like, this is amazing. And that Thriller video, because he was such a visionary, he became acceptable for everybody, not just because of his music. It just made him cool. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah. Listen, I have an affinity for pop music. Always did. Right. I mean, radio was the thing. And I remember in the 70s, you know, listening to the Jackson 5 and the Osmonds and then the Jacksons, you know, I was always a fan. And that music, I mean, even now, that music, though it is dated to some degree, it stands the test of time because it has the groove. It has everything. It has movement. It gets you moving immediately, visually. You just you want to get to something, right? You want to moonwalk. Yes. You want to do whatever. But like I said, he he changed how artists presented themselves in terms of artists just didn't stand there. Now, listen, you watch a lot of seventies, you know what would be considered videos then of artists, you know, demonstrate stuff, or even if they were on, um, you know, Solid Gold or some kind of uh, some kind of variety show or something, they were pretty much static. They just did, yeah, you know, a little bit. Then camera two, and then camera one, yeah. camera three. Right? I mean, he was just dancing around. I mean, look, you go, you go on and look at some of their uh, when the Jacksons were doing American Bandstand, you know, Dancing Machine. They're all over the place, man. And mm -hmm. it's just amazing stuff. And yeah, you just watch that stuff. You know, when he's uh, you know at the Jackson Five as a young person, you could just see the talent just radiant. Oh yeah, yeah. And it just, he was, you know, he was just, born. Yeah. And, he was born to be who he was. And I think anybody who's into pop, even now, you know, you're talking 40 years removed from Michael Jackson's biggest selling, you know, of all time, they're still influenced. And I think people will go back to say, yeah, you know, Michael Jackson, this, that, the other thing. Because you can't overlook it. You can't overlook You can't overlook no. I mean, he was given the name, again, the King of Pop, right? And, you know, mm -hmm. there's a reason why they're called the Fab Four. And you have to, right. the reason why he's called the king of rock and roll. Now, I'm not, again, th like I said in the beginning, this is all subjective. Yeah, yeah, of course. Right? And I have a list of, you know, and I'm not going to get into it today, but I have a list of, you know, of individuals or individual bands or artists that really super shaped, you know, my career or my, right. and that could be subjective because somebody will, what are we talking about? That's, that's, you know, so, you know, whatever it is, it is. But, um, you know, I think, that these were my choices if I had to look at it in the big picture and say, and I, you know, I had to put flags uh, on on a couple errors that I think that helped blended stuff together. Do you know what I mean? I truly believe that if you know if Elvis lived, him and Michael Jackson would have did something. Oh, now, I mean, I mean, he did it with his daughter, I guess. We're hoping, yeah. and we assume, and I think they did meet each other when he was a child. I think there was mm -hmm. some of that, but anyway, that's Mayan. I don't know if you have another one. No, no, I'm My, good, man. The I mean, only other... Like you said, it's it's subjective. We could yeah, go on yeah, and on. We can and go on. on. The all, and I had one runner-up, and because, you know, we talk about it at the show here, I think KISS pushed the live performance envelope, especially for the time, because everything that they did in the 70s, you've seen from then to now. Explosions, the crazy lights. Would that have happened anyway? Yeah, it's possible it would have because, you know, yeah. with television getting to be more of what it was and, you know, sci-fi becoming popular again in the 70s and with Star Wars and, you know, that bigger-than-life fantastic thing, you know, to catch the eye. Could it have happened? Yeah, probably. 
But I think that if you got to give it a starting point that really blew things up where it wasn't just a performance and it wasn't somebody just up on stage with a big band, it was a visual spectacle, I think Kiss would definitely be the band or the artist that pushed the limits and everything um, that you see in terms of today was created then, so to speak. That's my opinion. Yeah, 100%. Like I said... It's subjective, and that list could keep going on and on and on and on and on. Absolutely. And I know 100%. Chris Natalini's on my list somewhere. I'm just not sure where. I just Maybe it's on one of these back pages. I can't tell. But anyway, there you have it. Another fantastic question. I don't know if it was a fantastic answer, but we filled some time, and I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. This is the Cosmic Voice. Be sure to check us out at thecosmicvoice.com. Like and follow us on Facebook at The Cosmic Voice. You can find The Cosmic Voice everywhere you listen to online podcasts like Deezer, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, and so many more. Okay, folks, that will do it for another episode of The Cosmic Voice. Mick and I would like to say thank you very much for tuning in, and we will see you next week. You're listening to The Cosmic Voice. Music, talk, and nothing but business.